together. We're going to finish up this series called Join the Resistance. We've been talking uh, for about a month now about the issue of temptation, how we all face it, how it's slightly different, unique for each of us in, in the combination of our uh, temptations. So there's some uniqueness to it, but there's universality to it as well because we all experience temptation's power in our life. We all have to find a way to resistance. And, and I just want to close out with uh, so some thoughts maybe I haven't gotten to yet, and as well as reviewing a little bit uh, of where we have been. So we're going to start with this idea. As we're resisting temptation, as we're battling temptation, one suggestion I have is have an accurate view of your struggle. Like see it clearly, see it realistically. And we've, come, we've covered some of that ground uh, in this series already. We, we've said you need to know where your weaknesses are because your weaknesses may be different from mine. Know kind of the unique combination of temptations that you face, which ones are a problem for you. And, and we've said all the way through this series, don't just limit it to the big sins. When we think of temptation and sin, we tend to think of the what we call big moral failures, right? We Theologically, we agree that sin is sin. They're all the same. There's not big and small. But when we think of temptation, our mind tends to go to those big public moral failures when your greatest temptation may be more towards anger or bitterness or a critical spirit or a judgmental attitude or jealousy. It could be that sort of attitude sin that you're most tempted to. So don't, don't limit it to the really big ones. People sometimes use the phrase, the struggle is real, which I think that phrase fits this series. Because the struggle is real, the struggle against temptation is real. But I would add something to that phrase, and it's this. The struggle is real, but not inevitable. The struggle is real, but, but not inevitable. And I mean that in a couple of different ways. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. He writes, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. And, and if you can follow that, then you can relate to it, right? Plus, Paul's saying, look, there's some things I want to do, and I, I keep failing at those, and the things I'm trying to stop doing, I keep sliding back into that habit or that temptation. Paul is saying, in kind of a convoluted way, the struggle is real. I feel it. I feel this tension in my life when it comes to obeying God and following God versus doing what I want to do and and you feel that too whether whether you admit that on Sunday morning at church or not the struggle is real for you too and your again your mix of struggles are different from my mix of struggles the struggle is real but it's not inevitable and what I mean by that is first of all it's not inevitable in the sense that it's it's not going to always continually be tempting you. It's not always there. When we're in the middle of temptation, sometimes it feels like we will never get out of it. We will never get over it. And, and we've said before, we've been honest enough to say, for all of us probably there's one or two temptations that, 
they just hang around for probably most of our life. They're always there. But that doesn't mean you're always feeling the pull of that temptation. Feels like it when you're in it. This is never going to end. I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to defeat this. But, but temptation is actually not that way, right? The, the initial pull of it as you resist that, as you move away from it, 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 it starts to give up a little on you, right? It's, it starts to get a little easier to fight against it. If you have ever tried fasting as a, as a spiritual discipline, you know that in the initial hours of fasting, regardless of how long you're going to fast, in the initial hours, you are very aware of how hungry you are. And then if you can kind of push through that, right? If you, if you can make it through that, that initial wave of hunger, then it kind of backs off a little bit. And, and at least for periods of time, you, you forget that you're hungry. You forget that you're fasting. Uh, if you have ever tried to change your diet, right? Avoid certain foods, eat better, uh, not drink soft drinks or not to eat chocolate or don't do Chick-fil-A or whatever your thing is. Like, I'm going to eat better. I'm not going to do this. You know that early on that is all you think about, right? Chick-fil-A number one with a Dr. Pepper is all you think about all the time. And, and if you kind of push through that, if you hang in there long enough, that starts to fade. Temptation is not inevitable in the sense that it doesn't just go on and on and on. It doesn't keep hanging around, and, and, and especially if it's habitual, like especially if this is something that you have left unguarded in your life, you haven't been resisting this area of temptation, and it's just, it's just settled into your life. Initially, you're going to feel that tension very strong. But as you yield to the Holy Spirit's work, as you resist that temptation, it begins to get easier. Right? It, be, it, it begins to, to let go. The struggle is real. It's not inevitable. It's not going to be there all the time. And, and it's also not inevitable in the sense that you don't have to give in. You don't have to give in. Sometimes, again, especially for those consistent temptations that we circle back to and all of us have them we circle back to at different times in our life it is not inevitable that you're going to fa fail now if you have failed again and again sometimes you see it coming and you start waving the white flag immediately like you give up immediately because you think here it goes again and I always fail and I always mess up no the struggle is real it's not inevitable you, you don't have to keep failing in the same way. You, you don't have to keep giving in to that temptation. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Now, that's his acknowledgement that you and I should never get to a, a point of arrogance where we think we're invincible to sin. Like, well, it could never happen to me. This could never happen. I could never fail. No, Paul says, be careful. As you're, as you're getting stronger, don't forget you're still human, you're still weak, you, you still have failures and, and cracks in your heart because, because you're a human. But then he goes on to say, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common 
to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Paul says, look, don't get arrogant. Don't think you're invincible. You're fragile in the sense that you're human. You could still sin. But all at the same time, understand that God will let, not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He won't. Another way of saying it. Temptation may be stronger than you, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's stronger than me. Temptation may be stronger than you, but it's not stronger than the God who is in you. It's not stronger than the, than the spirit that resides within you. you. You have access to a strength in battling temptation that's far stronger than you are on your own. Again, I'm not saying we should become arrogant. I'm not saying that we should think we're invincible. I'm, I'm not saying we should rely on our own abilities and disciplines. I'm saying that the Spirit of God is at work in you. And you can overcome the temptations that you face. And one of the reasons you can overcome it, Paul says, is because God's limiting what temptation can do for you. Like God, God is placing barriers, and I know sometimes we wish he would place more limits. Right? Can, you, can you give more limits to my temptation? But whatever temptation you're feeling, Paul says, God is moderating that. His spirit is guarding you. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And so the question at that point becomes, do, do I trust that those things are true of God? Do I trust that what the Bible says about God and my temptation is true? That he's limiting what temptation can do to me and He's providing a way out. That was the other phrase he used. God will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He didn't say he's providing a way out so it will be easy. That's not what he said. He didn't say he's providing a, a way out so you won't ever have to struggle with this. No, Paul is saying God is limiting temptation's power he always provides a way out so that you can endure. This is his grace to us, that we can endure the power of temptation over us. Remember the, the motto of the TV show, Survivor, Outwit, Outplay, Outlast? I think they're like on season 194 or something, thousands or something like that. It just goes on and on. Outwit, Outplay, Outlast. Endurance is not avoiding. Endurance is outlasting. I'm going to remain faithful. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to keep living as Jesus would want me to live. I'm going to keep walking in faith. I'm going to outlast temptation. I'm still going to go through it. I'm still going to feel it. There's still going to be moments when I'm drawn to something that God says is sin. But God will make it possible for me to endure that. And I hope this gives some of us some encouragement today. Because it can be frustrating when you feel the same temptation over and over again. right? And, and, and especially one that you thought you had made progress on. And maybe you did make progress on. You, you thought you were done with. You 
thought you had handled in your past. Between you and God, you had handled this temptation, but it keeps showing up again and again and again. And, and Paul may be saying to us, look, that's not a failure on your part. What you're doing is you're enduring. You're into, yeah, it keeps coming back, but you're enduring it. And God will make a way out so that you can endure it. You can keep going. You can outlast this. And by outlasting it, Christ can give you the victory over it. Maybe not today, maybe not next week, maybe not for a long time, but enduring and outlasting is part of the victory that God wants to give us over our temptations. Another phrase that Paul used in there that I think is important, he said that you're not going to face anything, I'm not going to face anything that isn't common to mankind or common to humanity or common to human history like whatever you're wrestling with and it's real and, and maybe it's powerful in your life Paul says you're not the first to face that you're not the only one that's ever struggled and been drawn towards that whatever you're facing it's common other people have been there and I, and I I know that some of us like to feel special, right? We like to feel we're the only ones. Our life is so unique from everybody else's. Nobody's like me. Look, here's what Paul says. That temptation you have, it's not stronger than ones anybody else has faced. You didn't somehow get the absolute worst, strongest temptation of all the billions of people who have ever lived on this planet. You didn't get the worst one. We all got them. They're all common. We all struggle with them. That's not minimizing what we feel. Like we've been honest, temptation is strong. Specific temptations especially are difficult for us. But Paul sets our perspective on temptation to say, look, calm down. Calm down. Everybody faces these. Everybody has these struggles. And here's how I would say it, right? Not as good as Paul, but here's how I would say it. I would say don't give temptation more power than it has. I think that's part of what he's saying. When you see it coming, know this is common. This is ordinary. This, this is not more powerful than my God. Because while temptation is ordinary, God is extraordinary. Right? While, while temptation is common, God is uncommon. Any temptation you face is, is common. It's, it's ordinary. It's normal. But God is greater and more powerful than all of them. The, the writer of Hebrews has what could be read as a somewhat dismissive comment about our temptations. Uh, in uh, Hebrews 12, verse 4, he writes, In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted the, to the point of shedding your blood. And now, he, now he has just described the sacrifice of Jesus. And he has just said, Jesus endured death because of sin. He took our sin to the cross, died on our behalf for our forgiveness, and then he kind of flips it around to us in talking about 
temptation and says, look, you, you haven't resisted to, to the point that it's cost you your life. Like, you're still alive. Don't, don't get so discouraged with yourself. Don't get so frustrated by things that, that you fail to realize. Look, you're still in the fight. You're, you're still in the fight. You're still alive. He's not, he's not being dismissive, but he's maybe trying to shake us a little bit and say, come on. You can do this. Through Christ, you can do this. This is a common temptation, and you serve an uncommon God. That's not, again, to minimize what we face, but it's to help us not make it bigger than it is. The power of Christ at work in us is greater than, more powerful than any temptation we will ever face. So have an accurate view of your struggle. Know what it is, but also know its limitations over you. Because of God, His temptation is limited in its ability to get to you. He always provides a way out, and yours is no bigger, no greater than what others have faced. So endure faithfully the temptations of our lives. Another thing I would say, have an accurate view of your temptation, but have an accurate view of yourself. Have an accurate view of yourself. And, and this is ground we've covered a little bit, right? E even that know your specific temptations, like know the unique mix of your temptations, which will be different from somebody else's. Um, we talked about uh, know, know what places tend to create temptation in you. We talked about know the people that when you're around them, you tend to experience greater temptation. We, we talked about the reality that we all have an enemy who wants to destroy us. Know that, right? Know that. Know that he is at work against us. But, but I, I would add to that, know when you're most likely to be tempted as well. Okay, we talked about the what's. These are the what's that tempt me. These are the who's. When I'm around these people, these are the where's when I'm, when I'm there, but, but no when. What are the seasons and what are the emotions of your life that ramp up temptations for you? When you know you begin to struggle, right? Let me give you some examples. Not an exhaustive list. Here are some examples, though. Uh, first example, fatigue. Fatigue is one of those. When you're physically tired, when you're emotionally tired, when you're spiritually tired, that tends to be a time that we are susceptible to temptation. Several times in the, in the Bible, we meet biblical characters, some of them prophets, and it is, the, it is at the point of their exhaustion that the enemy approaches them. It's when they are spent. They have nothing left. They are tired. And because they're tired, their defenses are down. That's one of those times. That's one of those, it's one of those wins for us. I think it's Vince Lombardi. Uh, he's credited with saying, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And that's true in temptation as well. Like Fatigue makes it more difficult to fight back. Fatigue makes it more difficult to keep our resistance strong know that about yourself be honest with yourself when you are fatigued we 
live in a world that values being exhausted, right? Different. So we, we did the margin series a couple of weeks ago. I don't want to redo that series. But our world values exhaustion because we assume exhaustion means you're important. If you're busy all the time and exhausted, we've said it before, most of us, when we're asked how we're doing, we say, tired, right? That's our instinctive risk. How you doing? Tired, busy, right? One of those two. You're either tired or busy, or you're busy and tired, right? That's, that's how a lot of us respond, because our world values busy and tired. But busy and tired makes us susceptible to the work of the enemy. Exhaustion makes us susceptible to the work of the enemy. Mental exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, physical exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion makes us open to the temptations of the enemy. Another one. <clears throat> Failure. Failure. Like when you've just really blown it. When perhaps a dream has died or you've realized a goal is not going to be reached. Failure is a time that our, our mind sometimes shifts into, well, nothing matters now. Why should I keep being this type of person? It doesn't matter anymore. I've blown everything. Failure is a time that you and I need to be aware that the enemy tends to strike at that moment. Another one, similar, disappointment. Maybe it's not failure, but maybe you're just disappointed something didn't work out. You, you, you're, you're disappointed that something didn't get done or you didn't reach a certain goal. Those sort of deflating emotions are prime times for the enemy to come alongside of us and make us question everything. We, we studied Genesis where uh, Cain uh, kills Abel in Genesis 4 and that phrase we pulled out, sin is crouching at the door. And often it is waiting for one of these emotions or one of these seasons in your life to step out. It's crouching at the door. It's waiting for the right moment. Fatigue, failure, disappointment. Those are often moments when it steps forward and says, why don't you give up on that and come this way? Why don't you not worry about all of that anymore and come this way? Fatigue, failure. Disappointment in a strange sense, the opposite of that could be a prime time of temptation as well, success. Success is one of those seasons for some of us, maybe not for all of us, for some of us, success is a time when we feel invincible, right? We, we feel, I made it, or we feel, I deserve, I deserve something, because all the work I did, and I'm a success, or we feel, well, my judgments are always right. After all, look at the success I just had. I couldn't possibly be wrong about something. Right? Success inflates our arrogance sometimes and makes us a prime target for the enemy. What is it for you? What is the when? What, W-H-E-N, season, attitude, emotional states. Just think back over your life, right? Just think back over your life. 
I felt a lot of temptation in this season. What was going on in that season? What was my attitude? What was my energy level? What was my fatigue level? Uh, another one. Boredom. Boredom is a prime time for the temptation of the enemy in our life. We're just, we're just not motivated by anything. We're not excited about anything. We're not, we're not passionate about anything. We're not energized about anything. We're just meh, right? Blah, ugh. Like our whole life is just meh. It's routine. A couple of thoughts on boredom. Let me say, in one sense, there is a positive boredom, right? There, there is a positive boredom if we mean space where I'm not running and going crazy, like back to margin, the margin series we did. Like that sort of freedom to think, freedom to be creative, not feeling like I've always got to stay busy, I'm always running, I'm always doing. That sort of boredom can be a very positive thing. That would be margin, like, like we talked about in that series. The, the kind of boredom I'm talking about is when our life is just kind of settled into routine. Just the same thing over and over. And, and we've sort of given up on, on, on any adventure or dream or calling We've sort of given up on life ever being different than it is now. We've just kind of settled into the same thing. We're not really passionate for anything. We're not really excited about anything. And some of it's because we're just not taking the initiative to do that. We're just kind of rolling from day to day and week to week. We're not taking any initiative to say, God, what are you calling me to do right now? God, what do you want me to do right now? God, what, what new thing do you want to push me into right now? And, and I'll be honest, I get it. Because I can be pretty tunnel vision about my to-do list every week. And like, these are the things. I got to do these things every week. I got to do this every week. And this happens every week. And I can get locked into just kind of checking off week after week after routine after routine and yet God has called us into this kingdom life with eternal significance eternal significance to join him in the work of the kingdom on this earth until he comes again or until we go to heaven to be with him he's invited us into the adventure of his kingdom and boredom can not only steal our joy and not only steal our, our purpose and our peace, but it can be a doorway for the enemy to step in and offer us something exciting, a counterfeit excitement, a counterfeit passion, a counterfeit purpose. Boredom can be detrimental to our spiritual lives. And, and, and maybe some of us need to re-engage what God has called us to do, what God is, who God has called us to be. Maybe some of us need to step into a ministry area, a calling area. God, I want to be a part of things that matter forever and ever. 
in our church, uh, for the size of our church, we have an unusual amount of people who lead those sort of ministries outside of our church, nonprofits outside of our church that engage people in rescuing those who are alone, rescuing orphans, caring for the disadvantaged. We have an unusual amount of people who spend their time in these areas, and we will be glad to connect you with them. Like if, if, if your life is, it, it doesn't have that energy and excitement and, and focus and passion, we have people who can point you in that direction for what God may want you to do here in our church. You, you can you could give time to leading and teaching and loving children in our in our children's ministry. You can be a part of uh, one of our our mission trips. We're ramping up our empty stocking fund. If you haven't been with us over the holidays, uh, we work with local organizations and we box 250 to 300 uh, food boxes for needy in our community. That starts this week. If you need something to do this week, I can give you something to do this week that's going to matter to people that's going to help care for them. Boredom will lead us away from the things of God. And we, we talk about midlife crisis in this sense, right? Routine, bored, have a midlife crisis. And so, again, like we do with sin, we sort of think big, blow up the whole thing, every, everybody gets damaged, but it's not always that big. Sometimes when we're bored, what we're tempted toward is negativity, right? We just get really negative when we're bored. We get really cynical when we're bored. We're dissatisfied with, uh, dissatisfied with our life, and so we're dissatisfied with what everybody else is doing in their life as well. Bitterness sets in. Anger sets in. All of those subtle emotions float to the surface when we have no direction. We have no passion. We're not engaged in things that matter. A couple of other quick things to do when we're tempted. Um, and the first one's not on the screen, but it's this. It's flee, right? I don't think we've said that. We need to say that. Flee. When you feel temptation, get away. Run, right? Don't try to stand there and be strong. Just, the Bible says, flee the devil. He'll, uh, uh, he'll flee from you, right? Get away. Run go flee number two pray which is not just a good church answer it's a good answer answer when it comes to temptation pray is a form of resistance jesus said that jesus is praying in the garden his disciples keep falling asleep and in luke 22 he says pray that you will not fall into temptation pray that you will not fall into temptation this is an act of resistance when it comes to temptation, that we would come to God and we would pray, God, help me, limit, give me strength. Help me see the way out that I know you're providing. Help me to endure. Pray that God would protect us as we walk through temptation in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus encouraged us to pray, lead us not into temptation. We've already covered the fact that God doesn't tempt us. God isn't the source of temptation. But Jesus said, you and I need to pray every day. God, help us not to go there. 
Help us not to get there. Help us not to be drawn in by temptation. Prayer is one of the ways you and I resist. Another one, memorize scripture. Again, not just a good church answer, a good answer answer. There are verses in the Bible for every temptation you're going to face, either in specifics or in principle. And whatever yours is, wherever yours comes from, find a scripture that you can commit to memory. Uh, Ian covered this uh, last week. Don't wait until you're already being tempted. Like, store these in your heart so you're ready and you can begin to speak those, even the ones we've used tonight, just in a general sense. The ones we've talked about today, just in a general sense, God, I know that you're going to provide a way out for me. God, I know that no temptation is coming on me that isn't common to everybody. God, help me to endure. You said that you would endure. Just those scripture passages that you can begin to pray when you're tempted. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is one of the goals of scripture memory is that we would be able to repeat them when we need them. We would be able to speak them when we need them, when we're tempted. One more suggestion. Stay in community. <clears throat> stay in community. Flee, pray, memorize scripture, stay in community. I've seen this so many times, so many times, when somebody begins to struggle, uh, when somebody fails in an area of sin or temptation, they begin to distance themselves from the people of God. And maybe it's embarrassment. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's they don't want to face the fact that they did what they shouldn't do. Right? Sometimes they, they don't want to face the fact that they made the wrong decision. But so often when, we're, when someone is in that battle of sin and temptation, instead of running to community... They run away from community, which, listen, that's the worst thing you can do. Like, we need each other. You need somebody that you can say those things to. Confession is important when it comes to temptation. You need a friend. You need a community group. You need a close circle. I don't recommend telling everybody all your temptations. I don't recommend posting it on social media. But you need somebody that you can say, I'm struggling, pray for me. I'm struggling again, pray for me. You need a small group, you need a circle, you need people that you can go to when you're struggling. Stay connected. Your instinct is going to be to run. Right? Uh, for a lot of us, our instinct is to run away so we can fix our problem and then come back when we think we're fixed. Our community is here. People are here. Brothers and sisters in Christ are here so that you don't have to do that by yourself. And so that they don't have to do that by themselves when they're struggling. That they have you when they're struggling. Most of us would say, if we knew a friend was struggling with temptation, we would say, you can come talk to me. I'll pray for you. I won't judge you. But very often, we don't feel that way when it's us, and we need to go to somebody else. But it's the same. You, you've experienced the value of saying it, I bet, in your life. Maybe it wasn't temptation. 
Maybe you were trying to make a really big decision or you're just going through a very difficult time and not very many people knew and you sat down with somebody and you told them and they didn't give you advice. They didn't solve your problem. But just the fact that you said it helped relieve some of what you were going through. You felt stronger. You felt more at peace because you said it. This is exactly the way confession works. Again, not with everybody. You know, know who your people are. Know who, who, who's safe and know who loves you and say it. There is value in saying, I'm struggling. Will you pray for me? And having somebody else in the fight with you, and I just can't encourage you enough, when you struggle, stay in community, even when it's hard, even when you feel awkward, even when you want to run away, stay in community. Join the resistance. We can do it together with the help of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray you would remind us of your goodness to us, that though we live in a world where there is great temptation and there is great struggle and there is sin, you have given us your spirit because of Jesus. You are limiting temptation's access to us and you are always giving us a way out so that we can endure. And as an added bonus, you've given us each other. You've given us each other to help walk through the times of temptation. God, we, we want to live lives that are glorifying to you, that honor you. And yes, we know when we fail, there is grace, there is forgiveness, but every day we want to live more and more like Jesus. And so God, help us to do that. Help us, help us to walk faithfully with you to identify the seasons and the emotions where we tend to be drawn more into temptation, that we would see that you are faithful and we would trust you more. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.